Hello. Thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church weekly podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance His kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. We are in our week two of our Giving on Purpose series, and we're going to be focusing today on a new topic, but I just want to quickly reiterate, last week we talked about our Kingdom Builder Ministry, KBM. And it's an opportunity to give you a chance to give to a kingdom initiative uh, towards building projects, towards global and local missions, and also reaching future. That's focusing on next generation. Um, if you missed that message, check out our podcast. Go look you can go Facebook Live. We have all our videos that, that stay posted if you want to catch up on that. Um, but I challenged you to pray about an amount to give and pray in the area of where God is specifying and encouraging you to give. Um, I, I'm not forcing you, but I am asking you to pray and be obedient uh, to that which God is leading us to. Um, last year, it's a calendar, calendar two date. Um, we launched Kingdom Builders in November of last year. From then till now, collectively together, we raised $28,000, which is a lot of money, a lot of opportunities. And if you go back, listen to that podcast, you can kind of see where we were able to invest in kingdom initiatives, different things like that. Um, don't want to spend time re-preaching that. But I'm excited as we continue to be generous, uh, even this year, what God will enable us to do and give us the privilege to be part of, okay? Um, So this morning, I want to shift gears just a little bit, and I want to talk about the importance of giving of our time. Now, time is something that we can't get back. We can't create more of it. It is in limited supply. How how many of you feel like time is going faster than it ever has, right? Um, And, you know, I think as we get older, the value of time, the the preciousness of time is is more important. I remember being, I would call it the young and dumb years (laughs) of when I thought I had a lifetime to live and, you know, felt like even graduating and going through school and all of those things was going to take forever. And then little did I know how little of a part even school and education and all of that played to the big picture of time. Um, But it often goes quicker than we would like, and it starts moving faster than we would like. Um, But we can't do anything to change the past. All we have is our future and our present and what we do with that matters. So uh, I'm going to open up with a few jokes about just good time management. How many good time managers we got in the room? How many poor time managers? Because you'll get a kick out of these jokes if you're a poor time manager. I got a kick out of them. Okay. It says, I'm not a procrastinator. I'm just extremely productive at doing unimportant things. Yeah, okay. Uh, My to-do list from today seems consistent of of everything on my to-do list from yesterday. Right, you just scratch scratch out the date and you put a new date, okay? Uh, In an effort to improve my productivity, please send all my inner office memos directly to me via Facebook. Yeah. (laughs) Y'all didn't get that one? All right. Last one, the trouble with being punctual is that nobody is there to appreciate it. I don't know if you've ever been the first one somewhere and you're waiting around and nobody knows you're there. Nobody's there to celebrate, all right? Um, so in, in time management, you know, we, we can always do better. There's always ways to improve our time management. Um, all of us are guilty of wasting time at some point or another, I promise. Um, but uh, most of the time, our, go- our, our goals of time management, we have good intentions, but we have poor execution, right? Nobody woke up this morning and said, I want to waste all my time and be completely useless. Anybody do that? If so, hey, meet up with me after the service. We'll 
kind of talk some sense into you. Nobody does that. Nobody wakes up and says, I want to waste my life and be miserable and do nothing, right? At the end of our life, we want to have something to show for it. And the time that, the time that we invest throughout our lifetime, hopefully at the end, will contribute to kingdom-minded things. Not just things that are insignificant and don't matter. And we're going to look at some of the framework of what's important to God and the areas we should be focusing on as far as time management. Um, But time can be used in great impact or it can be wasted. Okay? Um, You know, there's times that I go home after a work week and I wonder, where did all my time go? And I ask myself, what did I actually even get done? So I'm guilty of that. But then there's other weeks that I go through the day and I'm very productive. I've been able to tackle a lot of my tasks on my list. And, um, you know, I felt like it was productive days, right? I was managing my time well. Um, One of the things that we have to make sure that we do to be productive in our time um, is don't put off what you need to do today. I know tomorrow is always the enemy of today, right? We can say, well, I'll do that tomorrow. I'll do that tomorrow. I'll cut the grass tomorrow. Well, it's too cold today. And, oh, it's too hot today. And, I mean, pick which one you want. We live in South Texas, right? It's going to be hotter than it is cold. And, you know, but don't put off for tomorrow what you can do today, right? Um, If you miss the mark, here's, here's, here's my goal. If you miss the mark today, try again tomorrow. Make an adjustment. Change something. Um, I think a lot of us, how many of you are guilty of beating yourself up about the things you can't change? Anybody? I mean, I think we all to some degree do that. We get frustrated and we're, and we're, 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 we're sad about our, our past progress and we beat ourselves up. You can do nothing in the past except learn from the past to redirect and change your future. That's the only thing your past is good for. Now, it's important to remember your past. Don't forget your past. The rule and statistics say if you don't remember the past, you will recreate the past. And I'll tell you what, there's some past things I don't want to recreate. I want to have nothing to do with those things. I want to avoid those things at all costs. But we learn from the past, we recalibrate in the present, and we change our future. We begin to use our time rather than losing our time. We begin to focus on the things that are utmost important, um, but we focus on what we need to do today, and then we worry about, let tomorrow worry about itself. Matthew 6, 34 says, Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has trouble of its own. How many of you have had a day with trouble? Right? You've dealt with it, unexpected things. Maybe you had a plan and then that plan derailed. You ever had that happen? You know, most of the time we don't get the things done that we want to get done because something changed. Unforeseen plans, you know, emergencies, you know, maybe it's self-inflicted. Maybe it's externally affecting us. But, you know, things change and change the plan. But I would tell you, you know, people get so worried about tomorrow and so worried about the future. How to instill that tomorrow is going to be a great day and your future is going to be great. You make sure you maximize your time when? Today. Right? That's what we have to do every single day. We make the most of every day. Trouble's going to come. Passage in scripture says, hey, fear not. Um, in, this, in this world, you will have trouble, but I have overcome the world. Like that's a promise that we have from God. Doesn't mean that we're going to go through life and never have setbacks, never have hard times. Um, but as we survive and thrive in this life and we manage our time well, we will see that we will be giving of our time and purpose and hopefully getting better and better at it. So two quick practical ways of, of, of getting better at time management. Number one is get the most important things done first. 
Number one, the most important things, get those things done first. Um, Don't put them at the bottom of your list. Don't plan to do those last. Plan to do those things first as early as possible. Um, Second thing about just um, maximizing time management, I would say pace yourself. Don't set unrealistic goals. Um, Goals that are unachievable really aren't really that good, aren't good goals because they discourage you and you can never achieve them. How many of you like to make lists and goals for your day? How many of you are like, fly by the seat of your pants, I'll figure it out when I get there, right? You know, it's like, I don't plan. Hey, the rule is fail to plan, plan to. All right, so I think we, there, is, there is some ownership that we have to take as far as planning and executing the plan and doing the things that uh, we say we're going to do. But sometimes I think we're guilty um, of, of making a list that is unachievable. I'm going to cut the grass. I'm going I'm to wash all the clothes. I'm going to get this done. I'm going to do this and this and this and this and this. And then you're really discouraged at the end of the day because you only accomplished a fraction of what you planned to do. So I would say make realistic goals, make them super stupid easy is, is the best way to put it. Say, hey, I'm going to get up and I'm going to brush my teeth and then have a cup of coffee. Guess what? If you do that, you can probably check it off of your list. And there's something psychologically about checking something off a list that makes you feel better. I hate it when I'm like, oh man, you know, that's too much or I didn't do that. And, but when I can knock stuff off of my list, I feel good. I feel accomplished as simple as it may be. Now I'm also smart enough as I make those lists and I make those plans. Uh, there's a lot of times, and this is just kind of practical, but one thing that I do when I'm going through all of my stuff, if I realize that there's something unrealistic, but yet it needs to get done, but I don't have the time or it can wait I circle that and I write an arrow and I say next week, because what I want I don't what I don't want to do is over you know commit myself to things that I need to do things that I need to accomplish and now I'm stressed out based on the list that I created for myself and now I'm emotionally stressed I'm stressed out that I'm not going to get them all done and it's self inflicted because there are things that we can control but then there are things that we can't control but if I'm building the list and I'm trying to accomplish the list and I don't accomplish the list then I bum myself out because of the list I created how many of you know I need to make a better list okay so we we need to make sure that it's it's winning it's small things it's achievable things um, but we make sure that we set those realistic goals so what does the scripture say about time in Ecclesiastes 3 1 through 13, and I'm going to paraphrase and just kind of highlight the beginning verses, and then we're going to pick up in verse 9. But in verse 1 of Ecclesiastes 3, it says, There's a time for everything and a season for everything under the heavens. There's a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to uproot, a time to kill, and a time to heal, a time to tear down, build up, weep, laugh, mourn, dance, scatter stone, gather them, time to embrace, a time to refrain from embracing, a time to search, and a time to give up. A time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. And then picking up in verse 9, it says, uh, what do workers gain from all of their toil? I have seen the burden God has laid on the human race. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in human hearts, yet no one can fathom what God has done from the beginning to end. I know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live, that each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all of their toil. This is the gift of God. 
When I read that, I just kind of say, wow, because, you know, if we look at this passage, time is very important. If time, what we do with our time is really, really important to God, guess what? The time that I spend really needs to be important to me also. I need to focus on those things that are important, focus on those things that matter. So when we learn to manage our time well, it helps us give our time to the things that matter most. I know most of the time we feel like we are overexerted, we are overstretched. Uh, If we could add more time to our day, we would. Um, But I think that we need to know what is it that we want to focus on, what is most important. So we're going to use this passage from Ephesians 5 to kind of give us the rest of the context of, of the content for this morning. But Ephesians 5, 15 through 21, and this is in the Christian Standard Bible. Starting in verse 15, it says, Pay careful attention. Then to how you walk, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. So don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living, but be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making music with your heart to the Lord. Verse 20, give thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in fear of Christ. Okay, So when we look at this, this passage, we're going to look at four different things that we can do to winning with our time. How many of you want to win with your time, right? We want to do good. We want to, we want to hit the mark. We're like, man, look at all this stuff. I de- man, I worked hard. I deserve this weekend. Rather than like slacking off and you're like, nah, I got to work this weekend because I was lazy all week or I didn't accomplish all of the things. And uh, I, I work really hard to enjoy my days off, right? You know, try to do things. You know, I'll even try to cut the grass, you know, because I try to take off Friday and Saturday. It's kind of how my as a pastor and Sundays, guess what? They're not a day of rest for a pastor. Uh, it's the most busy day of the week, probably. So I try to take off Friday and Saturday. So one practical thing I do, I know sometimes I'm going to have to cut the grass on Friday. You know what I do? I try to get home and cut it Thursday. So I'm doing it on Friday. Now with this time change, it kind of messes up those plans because you got like no daylight time. I'd have to go back on my lunch break and like cut my grass or something. So uh, just pray that the grass quits growing and it ices over and it freezes it and it doesn't grow uh, during the time change. But, uh, you know, there, there's things that we have to do to try to maximize our weekends and work hard. There's times to work hard and there's times to rest. There's time to labor and there's time to, 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 to harvest, you know. So if we look at a farmer, because there's cycles, right? You know, there is a time as a farmer where they plant, right? Well, when the, when the, when the seed is in the ground, I mean, you know, I've talked to a few farmers in our church. They're always busy, but it's not a time to reap the harvest yet, right? So there's a time you really get busy prepping, getting all the seed in the ground, and then there's kind of a waiting. It's like, oh. What are you waiting for? What are you doing? Where they are waiting for the time of harvest. And then when the time of harvest comes, guess what? They work hard, right? They've worked all that time for getting that. So there's times to rest. There's times to work. But if we really manage our time well, if we give of our time, if we're focusing on our time, it can maximize our time where we are people that don't waste our time, but we use our time. All right, so if we look at that, that passage, the first thing that comes to mind with winning of your time in that verse 50 says, pay careful attention then how you walk, not as unwise people, but as wise. So number one, pay attention to what you do with your time is the best way that we can communicate the takeaway from that. How you walk. So what does how you walk mean? That means where you go and what you do. Where you go and what you do encompasses all of your time. Because some people say, well, I didn't go anywhere. I stayed at the house today. Okay, that's great. What did you do at the house? 
What did you do with your time? Now, I'm not saying, you know, blow and go and never stop and never take a break. But there's a big difference between like watching one episode on Netflix and binge watching all six seasons in one sitting. Okay, you know, talk about a little, little overindulgence there to where you're like, oh, I just couldn't stop. Yeah, you couldn't stop. Um, my wife, you know, every now and then we'd find ep- or a TV show we'd really, really enjoy. And when I was working shift work, you know, we, I, I, I had the plan of let's watch it together. Okay, so we'd watch one episode and I'd go to work and I'd come back and say, hey, all right, let's get back to episode two. And she kind of looks at me and she's like in season two. She finished all of season one. I'm like, what are you doing? And then the second question I know I was at work for like 12 hours and you just went through a whole season. When did you go to sleep? Right? Because she was watching while I was working. And, um, but when I talk about good management, I'm not talking about don't do anything that's enjoyable or something, you know, that gives you kind of like that helps you kind of balance out that stress of, uh, of, of, of having a tight schedule and accomplishing great things. But how many of you know that there is an overindulgence that we can and just like, I, I call it those things that ice your brain, that, that kind of disengage you, those, those, those things that kind of rehabilitate you to where you can function with all of the demands of life. You got to have those outlets. You got to have those things. But um, what are we doing? Where are we, and then where are we going? What do we do? Where do we go? Who do we hang out with? All of these things. Because what is this? It says, pay careful attention. This is a caution. This is a warning. This isn't just like, hey, well, do whatever you want, you know, but, you know, make the most of your time. Okay. So this, this encompasses everything. So we can be wise with our time or we can be unwise. Um, we're all guilty of, to some degree of wasting time. We agree on that, right? Because if you got it figured out, I will gladly let you come up here and preach this because it's, it's, it's something that applies to all of us, that we, we are all guilty of wasting time and not using it the best way we can. So what if we decided to stop wasting our time and started intentionally paying attention to how we spend it? Like I'm talking about being intentional, like right now you're already thinking about what's going to happen tomorrow morning when you wake up. Coffee, right? You know, he's just, I'm talking about after the coffee. I don't have to think about drinking coffee. Like, should I drink coffee today? No, I drink coffee. What's next? What's, what's the next priority? What's the next goal? What, what, what is my goals for the week? What do I need to accomplish? What's most important? I, I look at all of these things and, 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 I, and I'm trying to map it out. Now, listen to this statistic. So we spend a third of our lives sleeping. Okay, so if, if we, so, so a third of our life equates to 26 years of our lives if we live to be 78. So if you live to be 78, you will spend 26 years of your life asleep. So what does that mean? You ain't got any time for extra naps. You already got 26 years of sleep just by natural cycles. Now hear me there. I'm just playing. It's like, I love my naps. Okay, so you're chalking up like 35 years of your life for naps. Okay, so we want to have that balance, you know, um, but just understand that, you know, time is ticking away, that, you know, there's times to get things done and there's times to rest. We want to have that healthy balance. But ask God for wisdom in what you do. Okay, I think when it says pay attention, pay attention to what you do. Okay, not what you say you're going to do, what you actually do. Pastor, I'm going to be real productive this week. 
We'll see, right? Because we can have great ambitions, great hopes, and plan to accomplish a lot, but what did we actually do with our time? Pay careful attention to that. So number one, pay attention to what you do with your time. Number two, spend time doing the things that matter most. We talked about that already. I'm going to go a little bit more in depth. But we often spend time doing that that matters most to us. But what is it that matters most to God? Because as a Christian, that's what I want to ask. I don't want to say, hey, what's important to me? Because we can have a lot of selfish motives. I'm going to do what I want, when I want, when I feel like it, and it's going to be up to me, right? So we have to ask that question, what matters most to God? Um, So I want to find myself using my time doing those things that are important and near to the heart of God, not just what's important to me. So what do you think is the most important thing to God? That's a great question, right? If we want to know what is near and dear to the heart of God. So what is the most important thing to God? People are at the center of all things that God cares about. He cares about people, right? He doesn't care who has the biggest TV, who has the biggest boat. What's the biggest TV out there right now? Does anybody know? 85? Was anything bigger than that? 110. How do you know? You got one of those? He looked it up. Okay. Just checking because we can pursue these things that really don't matter. You think at the end of your life, God's going to show and be like, man, you had an awesome sound system and you had an awesome TV. That's not really what he's going to care about. Like, trust me, I love surround sound. I love good sound. I love good quality things, but that's not going to be the goal at the end of our lives. That's not going to be what he looks at and be like, wow, that was awesome. But the focus of all of the things that he focuses on and the things that are most important to him are wrapped around people. So when God created everything in the garden of Eden, do you understand that he called those things good? But when he created humanity, he said, he created man and he created woman. He said, this is very good. The importance of people was, was, it was completely different. They were relational. They were made in the image of God to rule and reign, co-laboring with him. There was a collaboration. There was things that God was going to do, and there was things that mankind was commanded to do. And we were to partner together in those things. In what things? In the things that are near and dear to the heart of God. Not, hey, God, look what I did. Look what I bought today. And he's like, good job, son. Good job, daughter. But that's like... I don't care about that. That's not important to me. And, and hear, hear this with balance. I'm not saying, you know, uh, nice things are not, not good things to have, but I, I think have that balance. So what does this look like? If I'm going to go buy this nice boat, take people on the boat with you, right? If I'm going to have this nice truck, hey, let's go for a ride with people. Use all of these things to engage in relationships, engage in people, whatever it is that you do, whatever it is that you're investing that time or that money in, engage people because that's what God cares about. He cares about people. He cares about those interactions with others. All right. So we have to understand first Timothy six, seven, it says, for we brought nothing into this world and we can take nothing out of it. There's nothing we can take. At the end, you know, we're not going to get to heaven and, and we're going to say, hey, check out my credit. Look at my bank account. <laughs> like we are looking at that. We're looking at the stock market. We're looking at all of these things. We're trying to plan for retirement. We're trying to uh, make our kids have a better life than we ever have. Like at the end of it, some of that's going to matter, but very little of it is going to matter. But what I'm saying is balance all of these things. Make sure we don't have an unhealthy balance. But we have to ask God, what's important to you? What is in your heart? Um, And and a lot of times, if we don't know what matters most to God, we should ask. I know that my kids, 
Sometimes we're in the car and they're playing with their phones or they're watching a movie and I will tell them something and they don't hear none of it. I'm like, hey kids, da 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 da. And then I look at, I'm driving, I'm looking in the rearview mirror. Hey, like, and they're like, oh, what'd you say, dad? A lot of times when we're guilty of that, we're not paying attention to what it truly is that God is saying, but he is speaking. Let him who has ears hear what the word of the Lord is for you, what he is speaking and let him dictate what, what is healthy, what is a good balance and what needs to change. But people really, really matter to God. So they should really, really matter to us also. So spend your time engaging with people. Use all of the cool things. Hey man, come watch this movie on my 110 inch TV that won't even fit on the Kano's wall, okay? Uh, but engage people in those things because that ultimately is what's most important to have connection, to have relationship, uh, spending time doing with what matters most to you and then hopefully what matters to God and that those things are really closely connected. Um, number three, understand God's will. I mean, understanding God's will removes foolish time wasting. So when we know what it is that we are supposed to be doing, we won't be spending time doing what we should not be doing. Now I know in life, and some of us are probably guilty of still trying to figure it out of what it is that we are supposed to be doing. Uh, I always say fake it till you make it, but at some point that fake it till you make it runs out and you really need to be doing what you should be doing, okay? But we, I, and I know many, many people, when I talk to young people and sometimes I talk to people that have served God for a lifetime, um, hey, what is it that God's called you to do? What is God's will for your life? And man, there's this big old giant question mark. Well, brother, I'm still just trying to figure it out. You know, I'm just taking it a day at a time. You know, like I have it on my go list to figure out the will of God, but it's still on my list from yesterday. Okay. Uh, it's sometimes hard to figure out. How many of you are challenged with what the will of God is for your life? A lot of hands going up, you know, like, and you know, some of these people, these are seasoned Christians been serving God for a while. It's not like you just got saved today and then you're trying to figure it out. You have an excuse, but I feel like sometimes we're without excuse if we've been following God for a long time. But I thank God for passages like first Thessalonians five, 12 through 18. When we ask the question, what is God's will? I am so glad you asked because the end of this passage says, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. That's how it ends. And I'm going to map out what it actually says, because if it says this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus, guess who that applies to? All of us. Okay. So this is an easy one. This is God's will. So let's look at the beginning of that passage. First Thessalonians five. We're going to start in verse 12. I'm going to go all the way through 18. First Thessalonians five, 12 through 18. It says, now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you and the Lord and who admonish you. So those are the preachers and teachers, uh, overseers, elders in your life, maybe that are, they're kind of holding your feet to the fire, but it says 13, hold them in the highest regard and love because of their work. Here's the list. It begins to list out the things that, that God expects uh, to be part of your will in your life. Number one, live in peace with everyone. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive, encourage the disheartened, help the weak, be patient with everyone, make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. Verse 16, we've heard this a lot preached, but in verse 16, it says, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. 
So if you're searching out and you're saying, Lord, what is your will? What am I supposed to be doing with this time that I've been given? This is a great place to start. So let's look at that list one more time. Live in peace with each other. So that means just get along. Why can't we all just get along, right? It's, it's making sure that we're, we're getting along with each other. Well, what if I don't like them, Pastor? It doesn't matter. Get along. Fight for peace. You know, the passage of Scripture says, as long as it, is, as, uh, if it depends on you, try to get along with everyone. It's a keeper of the peace. Then it says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive. So warn those who are idle and warn those who are disruptive. Now, we know what idle looks like, right? Unproductive, not planning, not going anywhere, zero movement. It, it, it says, warn those. So I, I'm telling you as a pastor, that's what I'm helping you do this morning. I'm warning those who possibly may be in the room that are idle. Um, I know for me when I'm idle, a nice little kick in the, in the back of the pants is a good motivator to move me forward. But it, it says, you know, uh, warn those, you know, don't be idle is what it's saying. But that, what's that other word? Don't be disruptive. Now, that word disruptive can mean a bunch of different things. That could be you're dominating the conversation or um, you're being counterproductive to the process. And uh, maybe you're, you're stirring up strife. You're causing problems. Chill that out. Right? Don't be disruptive. Don't, don't make, make sure it's not all about you. Keep the peace, okay? Because that's what we've been talking about in here. But warn those who are disruptive. Sometimes maybe we're talking about things or we're focusing on things that really have no significance and it's, it's really distracting people and it's causing you to focus over here when we really need to be focusing on the cross or we need to be focusing on the love. Like, you know, there's so many things that we just won't know till we get to heaven. Don't, get, don't distract and don't distort and don't confuse. Let's just keep it simple, right? This whole Christian stuff is really, really simple, Right? So we can make it really complicated, but we can be disruptive to what God is wanting to do. And um, it says, encourage the disheartened. How many of you have ever been disheartened? All of us. But it says, encourage those who are disheartened. So I want to be looking around for those who are disheartened. It says, help the weak. Right? Help those who are weak. Be patient with everyone. Now, this is a challenge. Be patient with who? I hate that word. Everyone. Pastor, you don't know who I work with. It's okay, God does, but he says be patient with all of them. Man, you don't understand. No, but God does, right? Be patient with everyone. You know, I'm always mindful of trying to be patient with other people because sometimes maybe somebody needs to be patient with me. I might be the disruptive one or the one that's idle or the one, the agitator. And people are having to be patient with me, so I want to be patient with them, Right? Verse 15, make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong. Man, you better not be taking it out on the back of the church. I'll meet you after church in the back acre. Don't be doing that, right? You know, we're not going to handle disputes that way. You know, we're not going to pay back wrong for wrong. If somebody throws a rock at you, don't pick up a rock and throw it back. Right? You'd be like, man, you pastor, I'll take care of this. Put some holy hands on them. Don't do that. Right? We want we don't want we don't want we want to be the one, you know. The scripture says, you know, if someone slaps you on the cheek, turn and let them slap the other one. Remember that was a, that was a scripture and my mom always used to say, I said, I said, man, what am I supposed to do if people are picking on me? Turn the other cheek. I said, Well, I only got two cheeks unless I'm talking about my back ones too. And then it was on. It was always my, my guiding rule. Uh, you know, it was kind of my thought said, I at the most I'm gonna give you four. And that's it. And then it's on. We're going to go to the back acre. No, it says, uh, you know, live at peace. Don't pay back wrong for wrong. You change it. 
All right, you change the equation. Then it says, strive to do what is good for each other and everyone else. So keep others' interest before your interest. Help others, you know, everyone else. And then we, verse 16, we know it, rejoice always, always rejoice. I know that there's mornings we get up and there, we feel like there is nothing to rejoice for. There's always something to rejoice for. Um, I think there's always things when we reflect on the cross and we remember what God has done. That's why I like to write things down. Uh, in, in, in my, my young, old-ish, ripe age, because I'm getting older, I used to think, man, I can remember all of these things. I'm not going to forget that. <sighs> you, start for, you start being forgetful. Write down those things, areas of rejoicing. Right? Write them where you can see them. Put a sticky note on your mirror. Put it on, on, your, on your car steering wheel, somewhere where you re- will remember things to be thankful for, because you will need to remember those things to be in a place of always rejoicing. Because there's going to be setbacks and you're going to be like, I don't feel like rejoicing. But you know what, Lord, I remember when you did this and I remember when this happened. And Lord, I thank you that I even get the, pro- you know, anybody ever had their car break down? I'm glad I got a car that's breaking down. I could not have a car, right? It can always be where I'm like, Lord, I thank you for this piece of junk that I'm dri- I mean, whatever it takes, you know, be content, find a place of rejoicing, find something to be thankful for because it will change your perspective. But if it says always, God gives us the ability to do it. Don't make an excuse. Well, Lord, just when it's good. No, it says always rejoice, okay? Pray continually. What does this mean? That doesn't mean every moment pray. I, guys, I can't preach today. I got to go pray. Continual praying means be in continual relationship with God. I'm always in that avenue of like, Lord, what'd you say? You know, like I said, my kids don't always pay attention in the vehicle. They're not paying attention. Man, it is, it's, I guess I probably did it when I was little too, but man, playing a video game, hey, get up and take, up the, take out the trash. I'll give them an instruction. No comprende, man. Like they just did not get the message. I'm like, hey, and they're like, what? Do you mean what? I didn't stutter, right? You know, and it's like, what'd you say? You know, like it's just disengaged. But I think that relationship with God means always keep our ears attentive to what he's saying. Say in that relationship where as soon as he calls you by name, you're like, yes, sir. I'm listening. I'm engaging. I'm going to stop exactly what I'm doing. I don't care what game I'm playing. If I'm about to beat the game, I take my eyes off whatever I'm doing. Right? I'm not going to be distracted by that. But I really think, you know, when it says pray continually, stay in consistent relationship where God always has my ear. Because there's going to be times, guess what? I want God to have my voice in mind when I'm speaking and I want his ear inclined to me. So have our ear inclined to him. Okay? Relationship. You ever been in a fight with your wife? Oh, you want to talk now, right? God don't do that, thank God. So the the issue is always with us. The issue is not with God. So make sure you reposition. Make sure you pay attention. That praying continually means always be in that relationship where your ears are always attentive to him. Okay? Good. And then it says, uh, give thanks in all circumstances, whatever circumstances, circumstances can be good. Circumstances can be bad, but our response is always to give thanks. Okay. And then it says, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So just in case you're like, man, you kind of manipulated that to say that's God's will. No, (laughs) this is exactly the list that he said. This is your will. Okay, this is what you're supposed to be doing. So it doesn't get any easier than this. This is God's will for you. So the more time we spend doing what we should be doing, uh, the less time we have to waste on things that don't matter. Okay, now I'll tell you what, in my life, the only times I got in trouble was when I had idle time or not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Anybody guilty of that? When you made stupid decisions, you were in the wrong place at the wrong time and you weren't doing what you should be doing. 
When you're doing what you should be doing, there's no time allocated for wasting time or messing up or doing those things you ought not be doing. Right? Idle time, man. That will mess you up. Amen? So let's focus on what God is saying to you. And I tell you, there's not enough time, there's, there ain't enough time in a lifetime to, you know, we have plenty of time to do all of these things that God demands. All right? So lastly, spend time doing the things that satisfy the spirit and not the flesh. So in that passage, it actually lists three different things. It says speaking to each other, giving thanks, and submitting um, to each other out of fear of the Lord. Okay? Uh, out, of fear, out of fear to Christ. Okay? So spending your time speaking to one another. So what does that mean? Don't isolate yourself. Um, and it says, speak to each other in three different ways, in psalms, in hymns, and spiritual songs. Now, a psalm is going to be a, a scripture tied to music. We do that all the time on Sundays, and we see them all through the psalms. They were, they were actually psalms written with music. And then I, I got somebody smarter than me to figure out what in the world are these three. So a hymn is a song of praise distinguished kind of from a little bit separate from the Psalms, but it's exalting God, possibly focusing on the Lord Jesus. It's a little more clar- clarified as far as a focus. And then that spiritual songs is just a song of personal testimony expressing the truth of God's grace of salvation in Christ. So it's your personal testimony, that spiritual song. It can, it, it's a song custom to you. How many of you ever heard of song that man you're like man that song's my song you heard you're like that's me so a lot of times you got to kind of custom remix lord i thank you that there wasn't money in the bank and i wrote the check anyway and you came through when there was no way lord i thank you for all your goodness i thank you that i got kids that are making my hair gray and you know it's a personal song and testimony but it's declaring the goodness of god in every area of our life I thank you that I got a church full of people that sometimes drive me nuts, but I thank you that our church is full, Lord. Come on. No, no, we're falling asleep. What's going on? Uh, but it's our personal testimony. It's our personal song of God being good and God being faithful. Um, and, you know, when we think about it, like, yeah, you know, you'll catch parts of that where I can relate to that. I feel that. And, but sometimes that spiritual song has to come out of you because it's something that you're only dealing with. And when you're only dealing with it, I think letting it come out and give, putting a little bit of praise in that changes the situation, all right? So speak to others. Don't isolate yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Then it says giving thanks, okay? So speak to each other, give thanks, and submitting to each other. So giving thanks. How do we do this? Don't grumble and complain. You have to understand that grumbling and complaining are, are the things that will destroy giving thanks, Right? Like I said, I thank you for my truck that's breaking down, but at least I got a truck. Like you'd be like, well, I wish I had a better truck and did it. It's like, man, dude, be thankful. I wish I had a better house, but you got a house. Thank you, man. I ain't got nothing in my fridge. At least you got a fridge. I was broke down without a fridge for a little while. So it was personal. I was thankful for that fridge. Right? You don't know what you got till it's gone and it's not there no more. And all you're grumbling and complaining, you know, like all of these things, but grumbling and complaining can rob us of giving thanks. Be more thankful than you are critical. Don't grumble and complain and be frustrated. Okay? So you can always find something to be thankful for. So this helps you spend your time being happier because you're in your time because you'll remember the good things that God has already done and the things that He will continually do that are good. Right? If God's been good in my past and God is being good in my present, think He's gonna bail out on me in my future? No. But God has always been good to me. He's always taken care of me. He's probably given me more than I deserve. When I really look at it, Pastor Noe's never went hungry. There might be some stuff in the fridge I don't want to eat. 
or a can of something I don't want to open. So we go out to eat, right? That's how it goes. That's how you spend all your money. But, uh, but I've never been like, oh man, I just ain't got nothing to eat. No, there's just nothing I want to eat, right? But we've always seen God's provision. He's been good. He's been faithful. There's been moments of where I've had to pray for financial provision and stretching of finances. Guess what? We've always paid our bills, right? And, and it's you know, and, and it hasn't always been determined by how much I make. I don't understand it. It's just the goodness of God. I've seen His goodness. I'm experiencing His goodness, and we're going to experience that goodness in our future. So why would we not be people who are always thankful, right? Don't grumble. Don't complain. Y'all ever been around grumblers and complainers? I can't stand them. Get away from me, man. I don't, I don't even know what you said. I don't care what you said. I got some of them people. Get away from them people. You'll become those people. All right? But give thanks in all of those things. Well, then what is this last one? Submitting. So it says, submit to each other out of fear of the Lord. Now, I kind of skipped over that first service. I didn't really... Uh, say that specifically, but it's important to know that uh, out, of, out of fear of the Lord, submit to one another in fear of Christ. Now understand, submitting to someone, um, you have to keep yourself from being free to do whatever you want. That's a dangerous place. Well, I can do whatever I want, whenever I want, however I want it. Guess what? You do whatever you want, however you want, whenever you want, it gets you in a bad spot. That equation ends really negatively, and you're like, I shouldn't have done, I shouldn't have done when I, what I wanted, when I wanted, whenever I wanted, because now I look what I did, right? And you got to backtrack. So um, we want to make sure that there's some protection for ourselves in our life to kind of, some people to hold us accountable, some eyes and ears paying attention to where we're going, listening to what we're saying, and kind of holding our feet to the fire. But understand this, what submitting does, um, it doesn't make you do anything, but it helps you accomplish something. How do I know this? You know, if, if somebody says, hey, brother, hold me accountable to this, and then they do it anyway, I can't make a full-grown man do what he said he didn't want to do if he chooses to do it anyway. But I can encourage him of the goals, of the expectations of God's standard, and, and re-explain, say, hey, brother, man, when we talked last, remember, this is robbing you, bro. This is, this is stealing from you. This is the plan of the enemy to destroy you. You keep playing with fire. It's going to mess you up, man. Don't do that. And you're like, oh, yeah, bro, I forgot. And hopefully there's a realigning, there's a, there's a readjusting, but it's to help us accomplish things, not to prevent us from doing things, but there's some level of accountability. Like if I got to own up and be like, Hey man, how you been doing lately? Or, you know, ladies, Hey, how you been doing? Been honoring your husband. You've been being kind with your words. You've been not gossiping. I know that's a problem. You've been doing okay with that. Like there's some accountability that kind of keeps you just from free roaming and doing anything and everything. And what, you know, it, it kind of put, it protects you, but out of fear for the Lord, that really, really got my attention because guess what? At the end of our life, we're going to be held accountable to what God saw and what God held us a standard to. So in that submitting to others, hopefully it kind of keeps us safe as far as following through with what God said, do and don't do what God said, don't do. Okay. Because if my conscience is clear when I die, guess what? What's up, God? Give my high five. There's not going to be like, oh, no, it's the day of reckoning to where you show up and all of this stuff that you could have, should have, would have, you know, you kind of had a clean slate because you've had some accountability. You've had some of that submitting in your life. Okay. All right. So four ways of winning with your time. Pay attention to what you do with your time. Spend time doing the things that matter most. Understanding God's will removes foolish time wasted and spend time doing things that satisfy the spirit, not the flesh. All right, so I'm going to give you in closing three 
evaluation questions to walk away with. Um, you know, as I dismiss you, well, we will have prayer teams up here. If you got a generic or prayer request that maybe you need prayer for, we got, we'll have teams available for that. But I want to challenge you with these three questions. These are not just questions that you just need to ask this weekend. These are questions that you can keep asking throughout a lifetime to kind of keep you focused on doing the best with your time. Because we started, we all want to do good with our time, right? So here's three questions to ask yourself. Is the way that I'm spending my time in line with the things that are in the heart of God? Is the way that I'm spending my time in line with the things that are in the heart of God? Number two, are the areas that I'm investing my time help, I'm sorry, are the areas that I'm investing my time helping advance God's kingdom or building my own kingdom? Sometimes we can live for ourselves. All right. And then number three, what is one thing that I need to start doing or stop doing to better maximize giving of my time? Can you stand up with me? We're going to get out of here. These are challenging questions. So here's what I want to challenge you to do. Um, you know, if you're married, I would encourage you to take a picture of this and get with your spouse and talk about these. These can be life altering conversations, right? Hey, oh man, I really noticed this. And, um, you know, if you're, if you're not married, get with a trusted friend and bounce these questions off of each other. Say, hey, man, I want to I answer these questions and, you know, be honest with somebody and work through these things because these will all help us manage our time better. How many of you wish you could go back and do things different? If I'd have known what I know now, my, oh, my, how I would have changed and done things differently. I didn't know the potholes could derail the whole car, right? You know, there's all kinds of things in our life that if we would have known or if we would have realized, maybe we would have done differently. Can't change that. You know, there's a rule that if we forget the past, the opportunity of creating our past and our future is very possible. But we remember our past. We determine right now in the present to change our course and our action and change everything we do. And that causes us to change our future. And with God's help, we can have a great future. Amen. So let me pray for you. I don't want you to be discouraged. I want you to be challenged and excited about what the day, rest of today holds. And then as you get up tomorrow and you, you seize Monday, and you're like, oh, Monday. Yeah. But with fresh breath in your lungs, excited about the day, full of endless possibilities. But yet with God, he can make each day full that as we leave this place, that we would just be encouraged and challenged to maximize our time. So Lord, we thank you. Father, as we intentionally give on purpose in the realm of giving of our time, Lord, all of our days are in your hands, God. Father, you know where we've wasted time. You know where we've maximized time. But Father, up to this point, all that matters is right now. So God, I pray that as we go from this place that we'd make a commitment to just uh, bless you with our time, that we would do what's important. And Father, we would know what's important to you. And Father, as we, as we kind of just allow you to search our hearts as we search ourselves maybe through these questions, God, that we would see maybe the things that we don't see, that you would illuminate those things that only you can illuminate. And Father, that we would be givers of our time, that we'd be givers that give intentionally and on purpose. And Father, we would live lives that are really maximizing and we'd find ourselves winning with our time. Father, I pray you bless each one here. I pray that you multiply their time.
God, that you would just, uh, Lord, I pray just for fresh energy, life and health in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you that as we go from this place, you go with us. And Father, I thank you, God, for the promise that the best is yet to come. Father, that the future for us is bright. And Father, there's no telling what we'll be able to experience in this lifetime with a life lived full of you. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you've been encouraged and empowered. If you'd like to know more about our family, follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash HTC Bay City or find us on the web at harvesttimebaycity.com.